0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest was born and raised in Trenton, New Jersey. Her work has appeared in Kenyan Review, Oh, the Oprah Magazine, the Mississippi Review, and elsewhere. She lives in philadelphia and her first novel don't say we didn't warn you came out in 2022 and the paperback is coming out tomorrow february 14th please welcome ariel delgado dixon hey how you doing today
1: i'm doing pretty good how about yourself
0: i am super excited to talk to you um i had interviewed you when your hardcover came out uh just via email. Then we met in Denver where you did an event at Tattered Cover Bookstore. And now here we are virtually. Um, Your book is out in paperback or it will be out. Um, Don't say we didn't warn you. Tell readers about it for people who haven't discovered it in the past year.
1: Sure. Um, So it's about two sisters who uh, diverge and Converge over the course of their life a few different ways. Um, We start a little bit in their sort of latchkey childhood in a rundown mill town outside of New York. Um, Eventually, they're both sent off on stints to a camp for bad girls, essentially a school for bad girls um and re-emerge at different times and then uh, reconvene as young adults in new york um and they're both sort of on their own grift at that point and trying to figure out uh if there's room enough in the world for both of them and uh which of the many identities that they've tried on uh will stick
0: definitely uh what part of the book will you be reading for us today
1: oh sorry i think that froze up a little bit no worries bit. i'll uh, i'll redo
0: that yeah Uh, what part of the book will you be reading for us today?
1: Um, so I picked a part, uh, that comes up in the beginning since the novel is sort of told in swirling interwoven Mm -hmm. timelines, um, when the narrator, our main character is sent to this wilderness retreat for the first time. Um, so yeah, that's the general idea when she's first taken out to the woods and is wondering where the hell she is and why.
0: Yeah, well, take it away.
1: Okay, cool. So, when the juvenile transportation services come for you in the night in a preordained kidnapping, complete with an unmarked van and husky guardsmen you can't outmatch, you have been sold for a promise. It's all there on the brochure. The Veld Center specializes in emotional preparation for the outside world, a structured environment combining therapy, physical rigor, and self-interrogation. It's hard to believe any witting adult could fall for a pitch so vaguely aspirational. But when you are desperate, the mere suggestion of hope is enough. After they've got you in the van, they may take you to an airport or a train. Maybe they will drive you through the night to wherever it is you're going. You might end up in the swamps of Florida or the blown up ranges of Appalachian coal country or in the remote wilds of Idaho, Arizona, Kentucky. Wherever you go, you will stay there for at least a month, but probably longer. Alongside other troublemakers, you will learn to set up camp and cook with fire and trek for miles and miles until civilization becomes a feeling you dreamt of once, a flinching muscle memory. If you are sent to Veld, you must begin in exile. They took me to Maine. It was a long drive eight hours north of Deary, and the sedatives hardly made a dent. I remember lying on my back in the rear seat of an otherwise empty 16-passenger van, looking up through the windows as highway lights glazed by. My mother had floated the idea of Veld a few weeks earlier, but she floated all kinds of ideas that never took. I had been on a downward spiral, that was true. My best friend Zeke had died a few months before. I kept running at the wall full speed, thinking I'd hit it, that the impact and injury would stop me, but I just kept barreling through. Later, I would dub this the supermarket sweep era of my life. An abundance of time was no longer a promise. I felt I should seize all stimuli from the shelves, devour and run, say yes to everything offered. My mother didn't know what else to do with me. We arrived at dawn. Camp was a vision through the trees, boxed in by red pines, their long throats bared on all sides. To see the sky, I had to crane my neck and the view made me dizzy, like I was inside a tunnel narrowing into darkness instead of opening to light. I thought I'd smell the ocean, but we were nowhere near the coast. I said I needed to sit down. Suddenly, there were new faces hurting me this way and that, ordering me to change my clothes, gather my pack, wolf down a bowl of cold oatmeal, submit to a search so no contraband remained in my possession. I had nothing to surrender. I had been asleep when they took me. I was arranged at the end of a line of girls, our counselor in the lead, another bringing up the rear, six bad seeds between them. They call this banishment a pre-enrollment program, Wilderness Commitment. It's meant to strip away bad habits and reactivate a dormant respect for the natural world's grand hierarchy. More than this, it is meant to break you the way a horse is broken. Ranks are whittled down to those most inclined for success on Veld's formal campus, a hundred-acre compound in Virginia. When you are on commitment, the -the round-the-clock surveillance and extreme topography are meant to keep you in place for the duration of the healing process, but plenty of campers make a break for it, only to be tracked down days later, miles adrift in the snow or heat food gone defenses at their weakest my first day on the mountain we hiked 10 miles and the cold climbed with us high winds speared the stitches of my outerwear and the soles of my boots felt frozen like two discs of ice i skated upon i imagine us girls on the map our location as the head of a pin in a great mottled expanse the color of camo ghosts appear feathers in the wind Every breath was a raw wheeze, and just when I thought my heart would fail inside my chest, our pack leader held up his fist at the front of the line and called it a day. Make camp, he commanded. He had named himself Shine. One time only, he showed me how to string up my tarp for shelter and hoist my pack out of reach of wildlife. He told me I'd have to dig a hole to bury my boots in, that I should sleep on top of it so they didn't petrify in a night freeze. Then he handed me a letter from my mother, a veiled rite of passage. Before the bad apples are spirited away, parents are told to pour their hearts out, outline grievances, be specific. And because contact with the outside world is prohibited for the first three months of treatment, the letter is both tell-all and send-off. I stuffed the letter into the pocket of my cargoes. I wanted to keep it there, sealed, potent as long as it remained unread.
0: Thank you so much for reading. Um... I, I, we we have talked a few times now, like over the past year, and, I, and I'm probably going to repeat myself, but one thing I really loved about your book is like the idea of like these siblings, these sisters interacting and 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 their dynamics. Um, back when I tried to write fiction in a different lifetime ago, um, and maybe I'll return to it, I was obsessed with like siblings because I have a sister who mm-hmm. is like four years older than me. We were close as children, fell apart, then we're roommates in our 20s. Um, why write about siblings? What interests you about siblings?
1: It's funny. I have an older sister who's also four years older. Um, and uh, because this book has some darker themes and sort mm-hmm. of like a psychopathic younger sibling, it is not based on real, yeah. real life. But I do think the dynamics between two siblings who spend a lot of time alone together when they're growing up, they just develop their own rules and... Um, ways of being and, uh, boundaries that can be kind of weird and, uh, self-contained. But generally I like, uh, the idea of writing about siblings because, um, the DNA makeup is like, it's, it's all coming from the same pool in most cases of mother and father. Uh, Mm -hmm. but the result is just, you just can't know how they're going to come out so differently. Um, and I just think that's an interesting idea that you could share so much, of uh, both the nature and the nurture side of life, but just have wildly different expressions of that. Um, And it makes me wonder what is sort of like hidden and embedded and waiting to be activated uh, in your interior that maybe has become activated in a sibling and not you.
0: Mm -hmm. Did the sibling dynamic come first for uh, this book or was it the idea of like the wilderness and like the the dark storyline of it all.
1: Yeah. For me, um, and this is not usually the case I would say with writing, I feel like usually it starts off with a character, but in this case, um, I knew I wanted to write about like the troubled teen industry and these wilderness expedition e- expeditions in um, schools where really troubled, often privileged uh, young people are sent Um, because I, I grew up with someone, uh, who had gone to like three or four of these different things over the course of her teenage years. Um, and she's, is, she's a totally vibrant person, like super funny, um, tough. Now she has a bunch of weird survival skills, but she also has just really crazy stories from these places that bring together troubled people that otherwise might not have met. Um, and also there's just like a lot of, uh, drama and uh abuses of power in these places um and they are just their own strange little kingdoms uh, for better or worse so i knew i wanted to write about that and that led to what sort of person ends up at a place like that what leads leads them to that point and what do they do after um so that that started first and uh siblings came came kind of second i think as a way to explore that idea of nature versus nurture which mm-hmm. which also intersects with that sort of uh, morality question if you want to, yeah.
0: yeah definitely i want to shift away about the book and just usually i talk to authors before their debut books out there's a lot of nerves a lot of whatever um and now your paperbacks coming out so it's like a full cycle like you did the press for the for the book and now you're kind of doing it again does that nerve go away i i, I like i just want people who haven't released their book to be like what's my life in a year gonna look like like yeah just talk about like your debut year I guess a little bit
1: yeah um I feel very different from how I felt when it first came out there were just like so many unknowns and I I didn't have like a storied you know publishing um history before the novel came out I had some short stories and stuff like that but it was just very, very new and overwhelming. And I felt like a lot of, um, uh, like you get wrapped up in the psychology of it. Like, how's it doing? Like, how's it doing compared to somebody else? And I think somewhere maybe like six or seven months out from it coming out, I finally felt like I was moving away from it mentally and becoming more excited about other projects and just sort of letting it go to be what it's going to be. Um, my agent told me once that, uh, even some of, you know, like her, her bigger writers and stuff, when they go into a bookstore and they see their work, they wish they had a pencil so they could just do some light editing. So <laughs> I feel like, um, you, it's hard to tear your mind away to think about all the things you wish you had did differently or whatever, but I think finally letting it be its own thing, um, has been good now that it's going into paperback. Um, it feels, yeah, like just a, a different different timing for this project. Just It feels a little softer, a little gentler maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm excited that um, in, in the paperback, there's a Q&A portion at the end with one of my favorite writers, Dana Spiotta, who happened to read the book and um, respond to it. And to me, that's like a really nice cherry on top of having the paperback come out, um, getting to have this, this chat with someone I admire so much.
0: That's so terrific. Perfect where do you see your writing going in the future? Not necessarily like what you're working on, but just like in theory, what you would like to explore, how you want to explore it.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I am working on a second book, uh, but something that I learned in working on this second project, which is uh, set on like a weed farm in Northern California. Um, is I think something I ambiently knew, but I'm now uh purpose more purposefully seeking out, which is that I am interested in like writing about weird subcultures and little fringe aspects of society that has its own lexicon and and values and legacies. And um in this first book, I think that was, you know, like veiled in that world. Um, and the second book, you know, the Swede World, and I have some ideas for future things I want to write about, but recognizing that that pattern in myself and my writing interests um, has been activating. So it's been nice.
0: Thank you so much to Ariel for joining the day beautiful first taste reading series podcast. You can find her on the internet at Ariel On Instagram at okay Ariel and Twitter Ariel Dell Dixon. You can always find Day beautiful at day net, and on all social media at day beautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.